Nick. All right. <laughs> How you doing? I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Brian's here. Where's What's Nick going gone? on? These people normally, here. Normally, I talk to, I try and talk to Nick, and but but Brian's here. I'm just coming in the shed, and there's all this stuff here, and there's two random people. Do you know what? There's more than two random people. One of them's got a beard. He's ginger, and the other one, she's like holding a big. I don't know what that is. It's like a big. I don't know what he's asked. Tell me what's going on. I'm confused. Brian, what you've done is you've come into a special edition of the Science Shed. You've heard of the Science Shed before, right? Oh, mate. Did you hear the sticklebacks the other week? That's right. Yeah. So what we've got is we've got a swap cast. It's our third ever swap cast. A swap cast. It's where we we, uh, speak to someone else who's got a podcast and find out a little bit about their podcast. Sounds like a bit weird. That does, mate. Do you want to listen to it? Oh, mate. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why Do We Need, Petri, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting. Hello, Steve. How you doing? I'm I'm really happy with the booze. We're in on our second bottle of wine. Oh, my God. Normally, we we don't don't booze on the podcast. We've never gone this far before. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a special edition of the podcast today. Mm. Well, we've just been, we've come all the way to... um, to Imperial College, we're in the we're in the Bite Quadrangle. We are. We have never Sounds podcasted painful, it? from here before. The Bite Quadrangle. I'd never want to get bitten in the quadrangle. Do you know what's annoying? Like li- listeners, like Nick, Nick used to do did his postdoc at Imperial College, so he knows where everything is. And I just I like did. turned up at uh, South Kensington Station, and uh, and didn't know where I was going. And when I speak to Nick, he's always, always like he's always he's so like frustrated. Like oh, it's just around the corner. And I was like I don't know where I'm going, and he's just so. Oh, it's Steve's just a bit got annoying. So, Steve's. <laughs> At the best of times, has navigation issues. That's, you, that's true. Anyway, we have some guests with we us do. Nick, because before we just talk up to our amongst ourselves. This is like my old haunts here. I feel comfortable. I feel relaxed. I'm at home. I've got a glass of barefoot Sauvignon Blanc, the very finest that you can buy from the Union Bar. Yeah, they wouldn't let me buy it at first. Should, I had to get an ID card we, from a de facto member of before? Imperial College. <laughs> One of those de facto members of Imperial College is. Matilda. Hi, guys. Hi, Matilda. <laughs> and we've also got Kyle here. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> Very good, thanks. Um, all the better for drinking a glass of wine. So do you, you guys have... A, tell us about your podcast. Um, so our podcast is called Science Mixtape. It is, yeah. I like to say it's Desert Island Discs with a science twist. We just done but it, it, it. It's not the it's not the same because it's different because it's not the same idea because we're original. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so so tell us about it. What do you what do you do and who do you interview and what do you talk about? Um, so anyone who's vaguely related to science, so that they could be doing sort of some hardcore research or more kind of like arty communication of science. Um, yeah, any sort of anyone related to the world of science can, is, is is a guest, and then the podcast is about sort of them and their research their work but also what got them interested in it and the more kind of sort of human questions around why you are doing what you're doing and, and the kind of what you were talking about before um why you liked science sheds is kind of showing the kind of humanity in a scientist right so it's not necessarily about explaining science per se it's more about the the, the environment and the type of people that get interested in yeah it. and then they get to choose all of the songs so that they're mixtape and I you get a sense of personality i like the idea of a mixtape song do you know before I came to London last night, I went, I have mixtapes, old cassette tapes. Really? In plastic bags in my loft. And I've got all sorts of mixtapes. Did you make them for girls you fancied? 
you, you, you nailed, know when you I was totally nailed that, Matilda. There was a, there was, there was a <laughs> when I was a teenager, there, which was far <laughs> too long. When I was a teenager, um, girls were very distant to me, <laughs> and <laughs> I couldn't get rough. close enough to them to give them a mixtape. But so I, I just used to, make them, <laughs> used to make them for my own benefit, and they had music on them like Iron Maiden and Queen's Rock and Rush, which perhaps explains why I didn't make mixtapes. Do you still me. have anything to play them on? Yeah, man, I've got a proper cassette player with a. Does that surprise you? Oh, with a thing, it plugs into the back of my amp. I've got a Cambridge Audio old school amplifier, the record player, and I can, I can get my tape cassette playing. Do you know my sister? My I sister could play mixtape. My sister's in a post rock band, right? So it's very trendy and like no words and things. Um, but they've released their latest album on tape, on vote on rose vinyl and tape and no CD in my mind. Wow. Yeah. That's so so you so guys coming are coming back, so you're like ahead you of the game. The, you're on the cutting edge. Yeah. I, I like the idea. Something something has to be old for a while, and then. It, and then it comes back round, and tapes, tapes nearly there. Yeah, exactly right. So, what what kind of inspired you to start off the podcast? How did you get involved with it? Why, you know, how? Uh, tell us about the journey. So, journey. I, I, so I, I was actually, I was actually brought on as a guest. Yeah, so Kyle this was, was the like, eighth ever guest. Yeah. So this was, I, I wasn't actually early in the conception. I've just come on and just thought, you know what, this is a great idea. I'm really enjoying this. I want to keep doing it, and I really like the idea of actually getting to talk to someone about science for quite a long period of time you know in in a in an hour or, or however long that we can actually talk to them you can really get into someone let actually talk about their research in a bit more detail than you would otherwise get on a you know few minute cut on, yeah so what, and, and how about you Matilda um so it all kind of came around Soho Radio which is where our live show goes out um, I just loved doing, I did a sort of science radio show when I was at uni at Imperial called Geek Salad. <laughs> and, Geek um, Salad, that's was a great really, name. Yeah, yeah. I was really sad that I had to give up radio because I wasn't a student and then heard about Soho Radio, which had started six months earlier in, you know, the heart of Soho. And they were looking for volunteer producers. So I was like, yes, sign me up. And um, they had a science show already called the Saturday Science Club. And because I was sciencey, they were like, oh, you can produce the Saturday Science Club. And, um, and so what's your background? How, how are you science-y? Uh, so I studied biological and natural sciences uh, for my undergrad, and then my master's was science media production, oh, right. so kind of kind of sci-com type course. Right, and how about you, Carl? How, how are you science-y? So I'm, I'm a physicist, and right. I still do That's okay, we can physics. still be friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there is a, there's a bit of rivalry between chemists and physicists. Yeah, there's definitely a hierarchy. You're the there. sharks and the jets. <laughs> Did you go to the last fight? It was great. <laughs> yeah, Very good. So, so where do biologists fit in in all this, by the way? Sorry, what? Exactly. <laughs> worth talking about. No, it's not true. Well, we make up the full spectrum because technically I finaled in experimental psychology. You're a bioengineer, chemist, and physicist. There we go. You just well, need no, a mathematician. Like a royal flush. Nearly there. A royal flush. <laughs> Tell us about your science, Carl. What do you what do you actually do? What's your what's your science? So I'm I'm a physicist and I do quantum optics, and so that's the study of light and on a very small scale. So we look at how light interacts with single atoms and single molecules, and try and build devices or um, structures that kind of manipulate the way that light interacts with single atoms and single molecules. So why? So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the so what question you get yeah. right. So we get this a lot in, in what I do. So what? Why is that useful? Why should people care about being able to manipulate light on such a fine detail? So the, so there are lots of really good applications, but the one that I'm particularly interested in is trying to develop a source of single photons. Right. And so this is 
you know, light on a very small scale when it's interacting with atoms and molecules behaves in a different way to the way that we normally think of it when we're thinking about light bulbs and candles and things like that. Um, and light arrives in these kind of small packets in space and time, and which you call photons. Yeah. Now, to try and build something that could give you individual photons on demand would be very useful in the same way that, for instance, a laser has been very useful to science, whereas before we had you know, normal lights, incandescent bulbs, that sort of thing. Yeah. A laser is kind of a different different type of light it's a single frequency it's very intense over that frequency and it's enabled a lot of scientists to do a lot of research into areas that we would otherwise have not been able to do it before so there's quite i mean it's quite often people that work on single uh, photon devices it's, it's quite often sold as a, a cryptography so the idea is i think if you, the way i like to think about it, and correct me if i'm wrong is that if you imagine taking a torch or something and then slowly making it dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer eventually you get to the point where the light that you, there is a there, there isn't a, there is a finite dimness to how how dim that torch can be it's not analog so yeah. it's not just the case of just turning the the dial down if at some point you end up with just one quanta one tiny piece eventually of, light kind of comes in chunks so it, it comes, comes along a, a, a bit at a time and so it, that, that's right like you can take a light source and you can turn it right down you can have these um photons that are arriving at short periods but actually a, a photon source is slightly different to that because if you just take a normal light and you turn it down, the those single photons, they arrive randomly. So they arrive uh, with a random uh, time between each successive photon. Right. So you never know when one's coming. So it's kind of like a dripping tap. Yeah. A dripping tap. You, you know, you know it's going to... quite regular, though. No, not really. If you turn it right down, sometimes you get one drip, sometimes you get two. This sometimes like it comes a really, a really, really irritating dripping tap. Yeah, yeah exactly. when when it's not when it's not a nice steady beat and it gets into that kind of chaotic mode where it does have these like different times between its unpredictable sounds are irritating. Yeah, they crazy. definitely are. Well, I think you know the, the applications for these things. Quite often, people say is that if you imagine if you're taking something down just to one photon, to one this tiny quantum of light, Nick's crashing the microphone there. Um, if you wanted to use that for say cryptography, so if you wanted to encode something, the point is if as soon as that 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 photon then interacts with something else, then it's gone. So if there's only one of them, you can't. If you read that information, then that information's gone, and so therefore you can't. You can use it in ways of trying to code something. Because if if you if that information arrives and it's not there anymore, or different in some way, it's because someone has must have interacted with it. So that's always the the, the high level pitch. Is that still how people think about kind of cryptography and yeah, single photon so. sources? Yeah, I think so. So I think like generally the way that these sources are sold as, are as being used for things like cryptography or um, quantum computing. So you're Rather than manipulating um, these you know, big classical things, you're actually manipulating quantum states. And, and a, a photon is a quantum state of light, so it behaves in a different way. You can use the properties of quantum mechanics to actually um, do computations that maybe a classical computer can't do. And that's because they behave in a fundamentally different way. But in order to do that, you need a source of quantum states. And a, and a single photon source is like one of those things. Yeah, and so in the same way, this cryptography is kind of quantum -y. And the idea, the idea is that a quantum computer would be able to do loads of simultaneous kind of computing, well, in fact, right? You could do all of the computations. If yeah. You do it right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, oh, it's, it's, it's kind. That's kind of right, but it's not really a, a like full encapsulation of what the thing is. So, the way people generally describe it is like a, a quantum thing can be in two places at once. So, imagine a computer rather than just doing one calculation, it can do all possible calculations. But 
it it doesn't do all possible calculations at the same time it, it has this way of it kind of explores all possible calculations but then if you try and see which calculation it did it's only really done one yeah like so, the split experiment yeah so there's a kind of a quantum collapse now what you do is you utilize that kind of the fact that it's doing lots and lots of different calculations and then you um act on that state you act on that state in such a way that um, you can extract information from it without actually really checking which one it did. So it's a slightly so, subtle thing, but it's a fundamentally different way of doing a computation. So that's the point. That sounds cool. What do you do? What, what do, do I do? do? What do I actually do? Because this sounds like, you know, because I mean, I do the same thing. I stand up and talk about how what we're trying to, you know, understand something in a really fundamental way. But really, you know, what's day to day for you? So day to day is laser physics, cryogenics, electronics. Um, breaking things and then putting them back together again in a, in a physics lab. With tape, lots but of what tape. Do you, but what do you yeah. actually do, though? Like you should, so you've got a thing <laughs> Your that shines like a light as big out as the of whole it, room, isn't and you it? Get, so you pick it up like a torch. So next thing, and you, you come in it. and just, just turn on a torch really low all day. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Morning, turn the torch on. <laughs> but no, no but that's, what, that's kind of like the question, isn't it? I mean, what do you, you physically, what do you do? You walk into a room, you press a button, yeah. something goes... Yeah, something else is going. Yeah, that's all that's all that. Blop, blop, and it's blop, on the blop, screen. Blop. Exactly. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm imagining. It's like chocolate block. Um, that's a bad AD <laughs> children's TV reference. But anyway, what? Yeah, what do you do? Right, so if you take if you take an organic molecule and we use a molecule called organic molecule like that's like petrol. Yeah, just or protein. It means well, it means containing carbon, carbons and hydrogens, and that's basically okay. Like calicala gas. Is that a real Propane. thing? Yeah, yeah, methane oh, okay. or butane, whatever the hell it is. It's <laughs> actually so propane. So. One, one good way to think about the molecule that I actually use, it's like a cutout of a graphene sheet. So graphene is like a... Lots of little hexagons. hexagons of carbon. I'm imagining like, lots of little hexagons. Yeah. It's like something from Tron. How dare exactly. you both. Cut them out and then just stick hydrogens on the outside. That's basically... The, and the what do you do with them? So what does that look like? That is as chemical what does it look as like? I get. Is it like chemistry as I get. Is it a lump of stuff in a dish? What is it? So what we do is we grow uh, crystals of a different organic molecule, which is called anthracene, which is a bit like uh, naphthalene, which is uh, mothballs. I've heard of anthracite coal. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's actually it's derived from coal tar, yeah. So anthracene okay. is from So you've coal, got a yeah. dish. Yeah. You like the water sort of, because you evaporate things or crystallise. The water yeah. kind of evaporates, and then a little bit, bit of black crap forms in the bottom. Is that basically a little bit of powder or something? Well... That once you get that stuff out, you evaporate the coal and you collect all the all the fumes that come off, and in that fume is is this stuff. And then you shine a light through it. Yeah, and then we grow crystals of it, and we put the other molecule inside. We shine a laser on it, and it turns out that actually it's quite a good source of single photons. So you shine a light on it, and little single photons come out, and you're yeah. like, that's like that's the exactly. money. Is it so like the a kind of valve for the light beam? Well, well. So what you do is in you shine a light on it, and it excites the molecule. And then, uh, actually, what it does is it re-emits light of a longer wavelength, and uh, we try and uh, collect that light. Now, the problem is that a molecule on its own will tend to just emit light in any direction, so it goes everywhere. So it's not very useful, because it's like having a torch that you can't point anywhere. And so the real hard thing is when you get onto a very small scale, you have to try and build something that will direct the light in a particular direction. I think, I think the way to think about these things is that, like, I think sometimes people struggle with this a lot in, in experimental science is that sometimes you have to be able to build the equipment first, right? So you need a, you need a, we were talking about having a torch and being able to turn it down 
But the point is, you can't just buy that torch in the way that most people can just go to Dixon's and buy a torch or whatever, right? They, they, you, need, you need to be able to develop the fundamental instrumentation to be able to even start exploring these processes. And I think that a lot of those things happen in academic labs. And sometimes people look at that and they say, well, you know, what, what, like, what are you doing all day? Why bother? But really, it's, it would be like trying to say, imagine there being, before someone um, invented the internal combustion engine, someone had to figure out that, you know, mechanical, that, that chemical energy could be turned into mechanical energy, and they had to figure out how a governor worked and how a piston worked. And you had to build the technology before you could really understand, make a McLaren P1 or a Ferrari or something. So you've got your cloud of gas, you're shining a light through it. You, you said the problem is actually collecting it. Yeah. Seeing it. So if you've got like a little hose or tube or something. Essentially, yeah. So, the right, so that's it. You've got a little tube, you wang it in. Well, the little hose, the little hose or tube is a... Is and it a sucks all the photons up. And you're like, yeah, that's basically me. They're not irregular anymore. I can actually predict when they're going to pop down the tube. Exactly. Is so these it? glass fibres, right? We just use optical fibres, like the way that you would generally communicate. You know, so I'm imagining you... Fibre broadband. There. You've got a Petri dish, you're kind of boiling off as a cloud of sort of greenish gas. You're waving a sort of dangly tube into the gas, and photons are coming up. From well, the so tube. it's kind of like that, except the problem is that everything has to be at like four Kelvin. So oh, experimentally, right, so it's quite then. difficult. It's everything's everything's in a cryostat. It's tiny, oh, yeah. you know, isolated and doing it. And so you can try and direct the light in that way by but just you're, basically. But you're kind of a, coll- down a hose. you're a collector of a special type of photon, kind of, yeah, like a connoisseur of blue light. In the club. In the club. In the club. And the other part is this bit, and that's the bit that makes it glow blue. I moonlighted on another podcast that I was doing, Nick. I cheat. You showed your ass at some point. I, I, I cheated. <laughs> no, not mooned. Moonlighted. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, I, uh, I, I went on the Naked Scientist at the weekend. Mooning would be appropriate. Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, which is another big science podcast. I feel like I've cheated on you with my podcast wife. Oh, I don't give a fuck, Steve. <laughs> Do you know what happened, though? Is they, so they rang me up. So for people that don't know, the, the Naked Scientist is a big science um uh, podcast. It's one of the bigger ones. It's on Radio Five. Live, Did you tell them about our podcast? I, no, I didn't give you a chance. Oh, you wank. I just, I, re- I was trying to crowbar it in. I was trying to come and plug it, but they wouldn't listen. And they were just like, fade it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go in, and so it, it's a li- it's a live broadcast, and I arrive 15 minutes before, and it's exactly as you imagine. There's lots of people running about, lots of young people making other, uh, making old people coffee. That's what it was. It's like running about. That's Can I get your coffee? <laughs> um, and they came in and they sat me down and they came and they asked me to talk about plastics of which I don't almost nothing about um but they wanted a basically their their plastics expert had fallen through 
and say so, so somehow someone got my name and said will you come in as a chemist and talk, talk about, about that and that why were they doing a feature on plastics was it related to like the environmental yeah there was, pledge there was, of it was the a whole or? it's a whole it was a whole episode dedicated to different aspects of plastic they had someone on talking about how they've been um, using recycled plastics in um, uh, in roads and you can modify the properties of like tarmac by adding recycled plastic to it oh, that cool. means it's more flexible which means it lasts longer and it's actually a good use of all of the yeah, plastic it doesn't crack in the like changing well, that's the idea exactly and and they wanted someone to come on and tell them about how plastics work so i just came on gave them my i, I do you know what i did i looked he probably looked on wikipedia do you know plastic <laughs> what is a plastic that's probably how he started well, that, there's a question actually do you know this what's the difference between what does plastic mean um that's a very good question i mean plastic Flexible? in a mechanical engineering sense is something that's non-elastic so when you deform it, so it doesn't regain its original shape. You're very close, yeah. So, so, so it comes from the Greek meaning moldable is what oh. plastic oh. means. But when you say plastic in terms of a plastic bottle, what you really mean is, is a polymer, right, which is different to a, chemi- to a chemist. The it's way we think true, about it. but I mean... Because you, 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 like, you can make metals plastic, have plasticity. You know, your neurons have plasticity. No, they, you know, that's like, a metaphorical plasticity, though. No, really. they're, they're being moldable. Real, that's not real physical plastic. Plasticity. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's an abstract concept. Only, words are often used like they take on new meaning. Okay, but you can mold metal, can you not? Yeah, of course you can. Then it's plastic. Depends on the metal. Well, <laughs> me- metals are often elastic. They have elastic properties. Indeed. Um, but anyway, so, so, so but, but but when you know you don't think about that, you think about a big, you think about your packet, you know, packet of like your wrapping in your sandwich, or you think. I about was your, wondering if it had something to do with being waterproof because all pl- plastics are always waterproof, aren't they? No, that's not true. They're soluble. Some of them. So polylactic acid. If you've ever, um, so if you've ever had a, a dissolvable stitch, uh, if you ever like had oh, a cut. Oh yeah. What about the, the, the but they are they are. I mean, I've not had them, the, but I've had the washing them. machine, right? With the, yeah, like so that's got that's polyvinyl pyrrolidone. That's another sort of very common yeah. soluble. Well, actually, plastic. a lot of them. Right. Actually a lot of them are used, they're made of alginate which is a polymer of kind of a sugar so it's like a polysaccharide yeah so, so it's you, capsules you get in the washing machine yeah the tide the tide ones that everyone's eating <laughs> apparently so right. what 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 kind of world do we live in people that <laughs> <is>. <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop eating stuff that is used for washing clothes honestly i'm totally Please. with you totally with you carl so guys um you do a podcast you get loads of guests on your podcast oh well one per show I know, and you, you're up to 68 or something now? You guys were our 87th show. 87? Oh, my wow. goodness. We're going to hit the big 100 this year. Oh, wow. Oh, God, you're further further ahead than I thought. But you, you've had many guests on your show, and I was, I've been listening to some of your podcasts, and it seems to be quite a variety of different sorts of characters you get on. Sometimes you have you know, people who are borderline social scientist-type people, mm-hmm. and then you get the hardcore physical scientists. Yeah. So, Who's the weirdest person you've had on your podcast? <laughs> I love this. Nick always goes straight into like, like, tell me the extremes. So I, so I, I, I don't think it's the weirdest person we've had on, but it's the kind of like the most oblique take on science we've had. And that was when Geraldine came on, who does, who is an artist, but is an artist inspired by science, and so does, it, you know, it's completely. Um, amazing to see someone who thinks about the scientific concepts in like a totally different way so that she'll present something which seems to make sense that you've never thought about because you were so obsessed with what, the equation what would, a, what would an example be so she kind of like how you were saying before she was saying science is all about asking questions and so with my art it's about working out what are those questions and then different ways to approach them 
and I remember she was working on this massive um, painting she wanted to do with, was it, how many triangles was it? There was like oh, yeah. thousands many, of triangles, many triangles in it. Um, and she was sort of experimenting with how to like make these prints of the triangles. She did a little mould and then she was like, oh, well, so I have this 25, 5 by 5 triangular mould. I was just playing around with it. And if you had different colours, build it in different shapes. She was like, look at all these amazing different patterns I can make. And, and then she just got really philosophical and was like, I think that's a really great metaphor for kind of science and how you start off with like understanding small elements and you put them together and it creates something that like it's a, a metaphor for complexity, I should say, that you could never have imagined. And I, I think that particular piece was supposed to be a model of a quantum state. And the idea is that eventually the piece would be folded such that you look at it from different angles and you can see a different structure of the patterns. Which is trying right. to encapsulate the idea that you look at a quantum mechanical state in a different way and it looks the act, different. The act of observation changes yeah. your perception. So by yeah. changing your observation from on the actual piece, you actually change the way you look at it. And this is like a completely different way of looking at science compared to the way that oh, it's not reading a paper which but, is but how you I know think what, like, I, I think that's i mean not to that extreme but you do i, I don't know like nick might disagree with me here but i you know of my colleagues that are kind of academics you, you do see you think they would all kind of think about the world and think about problems in very similar ways and actually what you find is you find people that are massively successful but just but have different approaches to things completely some people are massively risk averse some people are like some people are you know just just throw try at anything you know it's really that same kind of thing is it, it's just like completely different personality types completely different interests and actually it's really it's not about how you find out what you find out it's just that you do i suppose so how did you like when you get so because you, you get a variety of people that you mm. interview how do you approach that sort of um those sort, those sorts of angles when you've got something that's kind of quite surprising. Nick, Nick's asking if they're a weirdo, how do you deal with them? <laughs> <laughs> I'll translate. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But, it, but it's kind of like it must be quite difficult to adapt to all of these different types of people from different backgrounds, or, or maybe it isn't. I don't know. No, I don't think so because you're still fundamentally always asking sort of similar questions of what interests like you about it and explain it to me and. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just like uh, I think, as soon as you like, there's always more questions you can ask. Guys, do you, do you judge people if they choose a really bad song? I would absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, hang on, what's I, the worst I, song? Is it Rush that anyone's ever chosen <laughs> apart from Rush? So, Timmy so Mallet. It, this isn't the worst song, but it's. It, so it, you don't it, have the name in shame. <laughs> no, it was very related to the topic that we were doing, but it was it was it was such an affecting song, like it. It's something that I remember vividly, and this is so. We had a guy on um, called Casper Adaman, who has who's doing fascinating research into uh, laughter and babies. Oh yeah, no, I heard a bit yeah. of this one. Yeah. And how and like he's looking at how that laughter um, is a is a social cue, why babies themselves are um, like why they laugh, why they do this sort of thing, um, and he actually did a collaboration with Imogen Heap generating a song called the happy song which was looking at um what are the things that can make a baby laugh the most Choo-choo train and aeroplane. 
us about the components we just heard in that song, man. That was crazy. So, so there was loads of. So, did you hear the like the really high pitched giggling? And <laughs> apparently, there's the pause of anticipation, a little bit of silence, and then coming with the rest of the song. And the babies love that. They love that. <laughs> well, it's like boo, isn't it? It's like peekaboo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all these these sounds. <laughs> like, brrr, and brrr, they, they love that. Babies love that. Excellent. Wow, man, that's amazing. And one one of our features, like always on our show, we do a kind of, we used to call it the experiment section, but now we call it the interactive section because they're not always experiments. Um, and one of them was um, we had a guest on who studies synesthesia and is a synesthete herself. Right. So she played us a particular song and for like the interactive section, we had to try and draw the shapes that the, the song inspired in us because she... Draw the shapes? She sees shapes in sounds. So this when she so, hears the song, she sees shapes. This is so weird, right? Because I've got a thing like that that's kind of weird. How do you know which is your left and which is your right? I just have a feeling. What kind of feeling, though? I don't know. I think I'd... Because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I have sure a this feeling. Is the, like, this I, could, is a... I could just feel... I don't know. There's just a feeling in my left I side. I have a thing. i tell you exactly the feeling. Do you have feeling. a favourite side? I, have a fe- I don't have a favourite oh, side. I my but left. I've definitely got... My, each side has a personality. My right side is kind of windy and pale blue. <laughs> and my left side is kind of warm and reddish. And it feels cosy. My left side feels oh. cosy. And my right side feels kind of more... Cold. Windy and exposed. Isn't that weird? Yeah, you're weird. Yeah, it's quite weird. So, what's the most challenging thing about trying to winkle facts out of people that you interview on your show, guys? I think the most challenging thing is that it's live. So, we have only an hour. And you have six songs to play in that hour, which are going to take about three minutes each. And within that hour you, like as as often happens as i'm sure in your own podcast as well you can get onto a really interesting topic and you can get, kind of get carried away and then suddenly you're like no but there are other things we want to talk about and now we only have like two minutes to do this other section do you and know so what? we had a whole podcast once because nick got excited about mushrooms <laughs> and that's all we had the time to talk about you it, was, it was good it was I, I want to listen to that I think <laughs> cool. so yeah it, i think it's challenging to like we, we try and be quite prepared with knowing like you always have a we call it a pre-production phone call, um, finding out a bit more about the guests and their science and um, working out what you tr- want to try and talk about in each section. But it's it's just a conversation. So it's it can be hard to sometimes be like, okay, we, like, we need to move on, but how do we do it in a way that doesn't feel kind of abrupt? And you just want to keep talking. Like, I often feel we could do two-hour shows with a lot of our guests. I think that is definitely the, the, the advantage of a podcast. You can have that slightly more extended conversation. It is much more, that medium is suited to having a little mm. chat. And, and I think uh, sometimes it's interesting the types of problems you can deal with with an extended chat. So there are some times that it's actually, to, to, uh, the term is concision, people often say. It's that in, on, or if you've got a 30-second soundbite of something, sometimes it takes longer to actually explain the problem and you find this a lot with academics whereby they'll get invited on radio 4 and then you know John Humphreys will say explain your you know 25 years worth of research mm. in 25 seconds and they say well actually and they'll, they'll do it as you would write a paper so you start and say well here's my background here's my motivation for what we're doing and then you you don't even get to the point like sorry we're done we're out of time so i think there's definitely a value um in science but i think that's why it's like we always want it, we know beforehand what we want, what we know a lot about our guests beforehand, so right. we know when to ask about their background and when right. to. Like so, for instance, with us, you knew that we were terribly disorganised and, <laughs> and rambly. <laughs> yeah? 
That's why it's yeah, but then we just leave you to ramble, right? <laughs> and it's great. It's great material. This is why we we know what we're right, we know yeah. we're getting. It's like it's weird working with professionals, Nick, isn't it? We don't normally do that. No, I know. I also think it gives it gives it an energy. Like the the plus side of it being live is you get a real kind of energy in trying to get it all in that in that time. See, we've never. We should, Steve. We should try. We should try and we, I, do. I volunteered us to do at this year's point of science we're going to do a live science show well you know you're coming to southampton to I do am, a and talk that's when we're going to do the live oh, science after show. that yeah yeah my student so basically my student um antonio is helping run pint of science are you aware of pint of science yeah really good we had um lod chevron yeah. who um is was on the original kind of pint of science team and also has expanded it to france oh she was wow. great she was so much fun do people drink pints in france she said that was, one, that was one of the interesting things. She said actually that, <laughs> that translation of like the pub and the pint, because in France it's more like bars. And and the same yeah. Bunsen, Burner, Dolly, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, Petri, Dishes, Oscar, Isaac, Newton, Transplanting. So thanks so much, guys, for coming on. Uh, We're only our third ever guests on the Science Show. Thank you so So much for having us. Um, You you came on our show? Yeah, so if anyone anyone wants to hear more of Nick and myself, if you're not bored of us enough, you can go and listen. You can check us out on, uh, on Science Mixtape, where we've chosen six special songs and we're not going to tell you what they are no, no. yeah you have to listen to find out yeah exactly. you have to listen to find out brian makes about three cameos as well oh my <laughs> <laughs> all right see you later bye bye, bye. bye. bye.